Good Saturday evening to you. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. And this show is made possible through the support of Transitions Life Care. And thank you, Cooper Lynn, for being a part of this. Happy to be here this evening, Jason. And representing Transitions Guiding Lights, Nicole Bruno. So glad to be here as well. And I am Jason Kong. And we've got another great show lined up for you today. And we've got a, a special guest for the first half of the program. We've got another special guest in the second half of the program. But we're going to st- spend the, the first half of this talking about cremation. Well, let's just go ahead and talk about stuff that makes people uncomfortable, Jason. Let's just get it out there. Well, we do that on a weekly basis. We do. And that's part of uh, kind of the, the pizzazz of this show is having some candid conversations about things that aren't always intuitively comfortable. And one of them is that everybody's going to die. And after that, you're left with a body. <laughs> so let's just put that out there. And so we have Henry Davis here. He is the general manager with the Cremation Society of the Carolinas, as well as Capital Funeral Home, based here in Raleigh. And we thought we'd let Henry kind of explain to us uh, what goes on with cremations, answer some questions, and we're just glad you're on the show. Well, I appreciate being invited. Thank you for letting me be here. So one thing that I've sort of heard through the grapevine is that cremation is starting to really gain a lot of popularity. Have you noticed that at all in your work? Well, certainly that's truthful. Over the years, the trend of the um, families choosing cremation is steadily going up. The percentage is rising nationally as it is here in, in Raleigh. The Raleigh area, the Wake County area, the Triangle area even is becoming more inundated with uh persons from outside the community and cremation uh, the percentage of that chosen is on the rise so being that you live in this world of cremation why do you think that is i mean why why is it moving towards it i mean i can tell you out of all the funerals i've attended in the past year and unfortunately there's been quite a few vast majority have been cremations why why the sudden shift well there's a focus on a, a couple of considerations there uh, first as always monetarily speaking the cremation process the, the commitment to the service is a little less expensive than a traditional funeral can be quite less expensive than a traditional funeral but families today are a little more earth-minded if you will they don't want to take up a footprint in a grave space um, they don't necessarily see the, the the rationale behind a traditional funeral although we certainly can assist with such um, cremation seems to be a, a little little easier a little simpler if you will and uh, families today just see it as as the the easier way to communicate their desire to to be remembered. You know, when I, I remember going to many funerals as a child in the Deep South, and the, the community there, everybody lived in the community. You, everybody attended one of a few churches, and behind every church was a graveyard, and there was this continuity. I mean, you had four, five, six generations buried there, and you had um, people in the and they were typically associated with churches, um, and. I think now our society is becoming a little more separate. We've got families scattered everywhere, and maybe we don't have the same connection to a particular graveyard, a spot. Uh, and I wonder if that's fed in at all to the to the increase in popularity for for cremations. I mean, it's it's easier to move ashes than it is to exhume bodies. Well, that's a that's a truthful point too. It does weigh in on the decision making there. Um, families today do not have the connection to their community like um, maybe they used to with several generations where as you mentioned perhaps your great-grandparents your grandparents and your parents even have uh, purchased or acquired grave places grave spaces Um, today it just makes it a little less um, I I suppose of a commitment 
to be in any area. You've got families moving across the country, relocating, as you mentioned, and where would a grave space need to be at to feel comfortable? Is it maybe in the original hometown that you came from, perhaps? And we have those conversations quite often with families. But folks today are, are really leaning toward the simplicity of, of natural, uh, what, what's referred to as, as um, the idea, if you will, of where mom and dad are at. Not necessarily the grave space or the committed space, mm-hmm. but perhaps a scattering on, on land that's neutrally located or maybe a, a visited space that you went to, a, a location you visited as a child on vacation. Maybe it's the beach. Um, areas today are just looked at a little differently. They're not necessarily looked at as having the, the necessity of a, a, a grave and having a, a headstone or a marker, but just the idea of a tranquil area that mom and dad's um, resting places add in and have that connection. So let's back up a little bit here for those listening who may not really be familiar with the process. You know, some people might be contemplating what their wishes would be when they pass on. What exactly is the process from when the person passes through receiving the ashes? How does, how does that work? That's a great question. Much like anything, there's a, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes involvement, professionally speaking. But at a time of passing, when we are contacted at whatever hour of the day we go out and bring a family member into our care, um, we're, we're going to be seeking information from you as family. What are your thoughts? What are your wishes? What was your family member's wishes? Are you thinking simple cremation? Are you thinking maybe a memorial service? Uh, so there's going to be a, a conversation held afterwards. It's going to involve the, the idea of what you find to be comforting. If it's simple cremation, then that's what we focus on. And quite often families do focus on simple cremation. So in, in turn, we have to complete documentation. There are legal requirements that have to be put in place. There are timelines that have to expire legally so that the cremation process can be completed. Once scheduled, that's where it becomes a lot more detailed. Um, we inquire with families. Do they wish to be present to witness the opportunity of the cremation moving forward for assurance purposes, for the, the practicality of seeing is believing so you're saying that someone can actually witness the process they can what does that look like it's a little unique in itself and being that you are allowed to be right there with your family member up to that final moment it's sort of in sort of intense Mm. but it's also a point of uh, assurance Um, i mentioned quite often especially as americans seeing is believing witnessing being part of the natural effect of, of birth all the way to the end of life is a necessity many times for us. So we provide that ability. At our location, we have a modern, up-to-date facility so that you can feel comfortable in that environment. That can be as simple as you witnessing outside the immediate room of the cremation facility through a window, or it can be as involved as coming right into the cremation area where the cremation unit is at and being a part of the actual cremation environment itself. It can be that final closure that a family is needing so that they understand that things were carried out and can see that things were carried out with integrity. Different families have different desires and what comforts one family may not comfort another, but you give them the options of different ways to find closure in this. That that is true. In this melting pot, again, of our country as Americans, we all have different beliefs. We all come from different backgrounds. Religiously speaking, you've got some scenarios that come in play, and then not from that necessarily uh, point of view. You've got some specifics that families feel more comfortable with. Some families wish not to participate, and that's all right, of course. 
But for families who do, we certainly want to be there, and we have the ability to provide that oversight. So how long does the cremation process take? Great question as well. Um, it's written out, especially here in North Carolina. The statute is written out on most authorizing forms for cremation. We, we put it there in writing for our families to see. The actual timing of it can vary a little bit, but about two hours. So there is timing beforehand of the cremation actually starting. There's the actual cremation timing that, that does need to go through its process. And then afterwards, there are other moments and length of time that we do have to be involved in finalized preparations, of course. So a complete timing of things can be anywhere from four to five, six hours. It really just depends upon, of course, the scenario. But it's more detailed and a lot more involved than what most families really inquire about, need to know about even. But we share that openly when families inquire. Okay, so then when the cremation is complete, um, then that family receives what we all term as ashes, but they're really not ashes, are they? Well, that's a great point, too. Quite often that does come about. Um, the word ashes, commonly, as we refer to it as, what we think maybe of a, um, a pit of where we've had a small fire, maybe a campfire. Maybe some of us even have the ability of a fireplace still in the home, but we're all familiar with the fluffiness of an ash that's left over. That's not really what we're returning. It's a word that we use quite commonly for what's being returned, but it, it is the smaller form of the remains of your family member that are, that are available. It is what is uh, available to make it after and through the process of the cremation, which would be more of your, your sound structural being, mm -hmm. your, your, your structure there of, of the integrity that, that could be there. But it is not of the form of what we would consider an ash. It's more of a uh, composition of something that, that would represent a small granular um, item. Our guest is Henry Davis. He's the general manager of the Cremation Society of the Carolinas, and we're going to continue our discussion with him. We're going to get into some uh, myth-busting, if you will. We're going to get Henry to put on his myth-busting hat and bust some myths related to cremation. We'll do that in just a bit. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care, which was founded as Hospice of Wake County. And you can always find them online at transitionslifecare.org. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. I am Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno with Transitions Guiding Lights, Cooper Linton with Transitions Life Care, our special guest, Henry Davis, the general manager of Cremation Society of the Carolinas, and we're talking about cremation. Uh, we had way too much fun during the break. We've got uh, Nicole's son, Michael, here in the studio, and he's uh, he's the next i call him the future al roker he's uh he's a meteorologist in the making he's he's got the look he's got the sound he's got the intelligence but uh it's, it's been fun having him in the studio here today he's uh he's a, a great kid we haven't heard him you know if i were if i were his age in here i'd be grabbing the microphone pushing buttons yeah he, he's he's been threatened i'm, j I'm just kidding i'm just kidding <laughs> I'm just kidding. Child Protective Services is on their way. No, he has been awesome. Yes, he, he has, and uh, he's our, our, one of our special guests today. And I uh, really want to thank Henry Davis for coming. We're having a great discussion here on cremation, and there's there's a lot of misconceptions related to this. And, um, you know, I, it's great that we have Henry here to kind of debunk those. 
Well, it is, and Henry's been really candid with us and, and very forthright, which we appreciate. And we're always asking odd questions on this show. One of those questions that we ask almost every guest is really about affordability. Mm-hmm. Families are uncomfortable uh, asking how much does something cost or trying to understand what kind of range they should plan for, whether they're uh, looking to place a loved one in assisted living. They're, they're just un- uncomfortable talking about money. And uh, Henry, could you, could you give us some idea what families could expect when they come in to talk about cremation? I know that's a broad question, but uh, you've got some experience with this. Well, certainly, and I appreciate that question. Uh, we receive those questions daily, uh, even into the evening hours many times about the cost. Uh, the, the idea of the, the average cost of the cremation itself, uh, along with an urn selection, most times is less than $2,000. Very affordable in that sense, and we're very uh, much of the mindset in trying to, to, to monitor our expenses and, and keep things as affordable as it can be for families. That's wonderful. I know, um, we, you know, Jason had a led into some of the common myths, and I, I, this is something I've heard quite frequently, and you sort of debunked it a little bit. If somebody wishes to observe the cremation, they can have proof that their loved one's remains are the ones that they're going to get. But aside from that, I mean, I know when you have a baby, they, they basically tag you and the baby at the same time to make sure that you're getting the right child at the end. How does that work with, with cremation? How do you give assurances that if I don't want to be there to witness a loved one being cremated, that I actually get that individual's remains? Well, that's a great question. First and foremost, you do need to have trust in your provider. You, you need to be able to feel the comfort level there and understand the professionalism that should be there is, is what, uh, what is being portrayed at all levels. Uh, when we go out and bring someone to our care, just like you're mentioning at birth, there, there obviously is a name tag provided. Um, as you were sort of um, emulating something to go around your wrist, that's, that's how we provide that recognition immediately so that they're in the comfort uh, in front of you or in front of your health care provider, you can see that we've made that acknowledgement. Once back under our care, we're, we're certainly double-checking and we're rechecking all the way uh, through the process as to name and information validating but our simple process, how we have things lay out at our location, makes it impractical, impracticable for us to not recognize who someone is. We've made it very, very much uh, simple in the mindset that when we openly tell you the steps, you'll understand. And what that means is when the cremation is going to be scheduled, there's multiple persons that are, again, identifying who it is. If a family member is available to be present, they are witnessing, again, whom it is. If they're not present... Uh, we're signing off multiple times saying that we do concur and we agree it is the right person. And through that process time, that individual has not only additional paperwork, but they actually have a, a stamped metal disc as well with them that has a enumerated number, of course, that goes along with that case. There are multiple identifiers in place. There's just no stone left unturned in our location to assure families. We've been here too long for that. Over the 40 years legacy that we have, assurances of what we want to provide first and foremost. So one of the questions that has been posed to us, and and we hear this uh, idea thrown around a little bit, is now that I've gotten my ashes back, what do I do with them? And and I think it's illegal for me to scatter the ashes. And there's, you know, a question, what can I do with them? Where can they be scattered? Can can you speak to that a little bit, Henry? Sure, we get that quite often as well. Um, It is legal to scatter remains, first and foremost. As long as you have the, the, uh, the permission, if you will, of a property owner that you have in mind, I wouldn't suggest, of course, 
going down to the neighbor's property. <laughs> but if you can talk to your neighbor and your good friends, they might give you permission for that. But we have families quite often who seek our attention and our assistance with that at old home places. Or they have a question about wanting to go out on the golf course. Or they have a question about wanting to go down to the local park. Again, it, keeping that in mind, you need the property owner's permission. So if you approach these folks, they're going to be honest with you as to what their feelings are. Just watch the direction of the wind. Uh, that's <laughs> that's a separate consideration, just, but to... <laughs> absolutely, that is something I do share with families to think about. Definitely. Because if it's not top of mind, it does become an issue at that time. Sure, <laughs> sure. So another thing, actually, and I didn't know the answer to this till I did some research, but the cremation process, does it involve fire? It does. Okay, and how, how um, so? Well, again, uh, with us being here in this country, we have a lot of regulations. The cremation equipment itself is a gas product, mm -hmm. so there is a flame there, but I, that's part of the cremation process today. So, yes, there is a flame, there is a fire product, but with the cremation equipment today being so UL-regulated and so energy efficient, we're capturing or recapturing the energy and the actual heat within that actual component of the of the unit so that we're not overusing a gas product and not having any type of wasteful product so less of an emissions trouble less of a carbon footprint in that that regard as well but there is a fire base that creates that cremation process and back to that environmental sensitivity component of cremation certainly okay that makes sense absolutely we're very earth friendly as we can be in this industry always have been and again, that's that's a top of mind point for families who aren't looking for a traditional grave space. They want to be less of a, a footprint here when they're gone. So one of the ways that I know uh, Cremation Society really differentiates itself from the other organizations in the area is is your your willingness and ability to give back to the community. And uh, Transitions Guiding Lights and Full Transparency has benefited from that by you sponsoring our Share to Care uh, gala recently. But I also know that you give back to families who may not be able to afford at times a cremation process and in other ways. Could you talk to us a little bit about the spirit behind how you all do that for the community? I don't mind sharing that. Again, over the, the many years of us being here in the community, we've, we've tried to be good, good stewards. We've tried to be good partners, citizens in the community. There are many times that um, families here don't have the financial support to be able to, to oversee. Uh, Especially coming from the state hospitals. People come from all over the yes, state. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. It, it, it's a very sensitive subject, and, and we talk to every family individually about that. When needed, we certainly are there to assist where we can. As to the support and giving back to the community, there are various organizations that we continue to give to every year. Many families that we are helping are receiving benefit themselves prior to needing us. And we want to provide support to those programs, And just like with Guiding Lights. It's a great program to the community, and we know that. We realize it, but we understand you need financial support to be there. That's absolutely wonderful. Um, talk to us a little bit about um, how folks can get a hold of you um, and, and, and how that process works if a loved one passes. I mean, do they just give you a call anytime, day or night? How does that work? They do, and, and we're very willing to accept those phone calls at any hour of the day. We're available 24-7, as, as the, the saying goes, 365 days a year. Quite often, we have conversations at 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning. We prefer families think about planning a little bit ahead, talking to us in an hour of day that's easier for them to comprehend information. Yeah. It is a little um, disheartening to, to know families at that hour of the day are needing to learn about their options of, of uh, care. And it's, 
it's very hard to share that at that hour with them. It goes back to planning ahead. It really goes back it, it to having does. these discussions ahead of time about what do you want. It, it does. As you preface the segment of, uh, with the point of saying that um, talking about cremation and the end of life is not easy. It really isn't. And that's why we want you to consider doing that at a time where you're a little, little more focused on the information and can take it in, maybe not, maybe not from a jovial standpoint, mm-hmm. but from a practical standpoint. Well, sometimes using a little humor helps break the ice it of the conversation. It does not have the emotional tie-in that mom or dad has passed away, and we need to now talk about finance. But for those listening, you know, they talk about this from early age on because you don't know when it's something that's going to unexpectedly occur, and you may have a sudden decision to make and have to contact a cremation association. So we appreciate you being here today. That's right. Our guest, Henry Davis, General Manager of the Cremation Society of the Carolinas. You can find more information about them online at cremationsocietync.com. That's cremationsocietync.com. Henry, thank you so much for joining us on the program. Up next, we're going to have a conversation with uh, uh, someone representing the Caregiver Summits, which you've heard a lot about on this show, and you can also find more information about that at WPTF.com in the Aging Matters section. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find them online, transitionslifecare.org. This is News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find them online at transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here, Cooper Linton with Transitions Life Care, Nicole Bruno with Transitions Guiding Lights. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Caregiver Summits, and we've, we've talked about this before. Uh, but I, I know this isn't what it is, but in my mind, it's, it's Cooper and Nicole on June 13th, you get on top of the McKimmon Center and you blow through a, a, a conch shell and <laughs> caregivers emerge. But that's that's not what it is. I thought is you it? were going to say get on top of Cooper and Nicole. And I was like, where are no, we going no, with no, this? No, no. <laughs> and actually, that is what we do. We actually stand up on top of buildings and blow conch shells. I yes. thought, see, yeah, well, that's, that's good to know. That's, that's good actually to know how that, it's done. Uh, no, the right it's on the mind. Internet. Everything's on the Internet, right? <laughs> <laughs> so what is this? I know we've talked about it before, but for those hearing about this for the first time, what are the caregiver summits? So we use a newfangled term of summit, but basically everybody listening probably is more familiar with the term conference. Mm -hmm. Basically, it is a day for folks to get together, um, to attend sessions, to receive support from one another, to learn about the different resources in the community, and really to take some time to take care of themselves. So that is the whole idea behind these events, uh, to provide respite, resolution, and resources for the actual caregivers. Well, that sounds like a great idea, a great plan. I know we've got a series of these planned, and the first one is June 13th, right? Yes. So today we're going to be highlighting the two that are coming up in June. Um, The first one is on June 13th at the McKimmon Center in Raleigh, and the second one is on June 20th at the Durham Convention Center in Durham. And we are absolutely thrilled uh, to have here today with us Lisa Levine with Alzheimer's North Carolina. And that, that group is actually hosting and helping us plan these two uh, uh, summits. And we've been doing this, gosh, Lisa, for how many years now? It's somewhere between eight and ten. Somewhere between eight and ten. But <laughs> who's counting? Sure, right. right. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. But but it's been wonderful. And, and Alzheimer's North Carolina is an amazing partner to work with and really 
does so much to, to really get this together and make sure we have some amazing speakers and presenters at the actual events. Well, thank you. We enjoy it very much. <laughs> so let's start off a little bit, though. Um, for those listening, may not be aware that you're, if you're listening, you might be a caregiver if... Well, I think there's some misconceptions about caregivers. The caregivers are all women. They're all at home, and they're all giving someone a bath or helping them off the commode. And unfortunately, I mean, there are caregivers who do that. But what we're seeing is that that's not really the way caregivers look so much anymore. Almost half of them are men now, and so it's fairly evenly balanced. Uh, And a whole lot of folks who don't think they're caregivers are. Are you going to doctor's appointments? Are you helping with uh, financial matters? Are you doing grocery shopping? Are you picking up things at the pharmacy for a loved one? Are you helping them navigate a conversation with their own physician? These are all caregiver functions, and they may not involve hands-on care, but they are caregiving, and it may not even be a family member. And so if you're doing any of those things, you may need some assistance. And you sometimes don't know what assistance you need until you see what opportunities are available. And the summits are great for that. And, you know, for those listening, you know, if you have a loved one or maybe you yourself or um, a friend that actually has a chronic condition that may someday the trajectory of that illness will lead them to be needing to receive some care, this is actually great to come to prepare to care. Um, And we are actually really fortunate to have some of the area's best disease organizations partnering with us, uh, including the ALS Association, the American Ca- Cancer Society, the American Heart and Stroke Association, and the Na- uh, National Multiple Sclerosis Society, all are at this event because they know that their families that they're working with are at someday going to need to be doing some of those very personal related care uh, action items with their loved ones. Well, chronic illness, long-term chronic illness, is one of the biggest issues we're dealing with. And it's also why we're a, it's a natural partnership to have Alzheimer's North Carolina as part of this. You know, very few diseases have as long a trajectory, as long and diverse a caregiver journey and need for help as dementia. And you guys have an expertise in this, Lisa, and that's really, I think, what connected us in the first place. I think it is, Cooper. I think we have a, a lot of similar people we're taking care of um, with people with Alzheimer's disease. They say, they being the doctors, say that the average lifespan from diagnosis to death is about eight years, but we've worked with people that have been diagnosed for 13 years, even in some cases 20 years. So it does just go on and on. And caring needs change over time, whether it be with dementia or other illnesses. And that's one of the reasons why this uh, Caregiver Summit is so great, because we have so many resources in one space, and you can get the information you might need in the future. So, Lisa, if you could talk to us a little bit about what to expect in a day. When you attend one of these summits, say you sign up for Raleigh and Durham, what happens when you walk through that door, and what kind of goes on throughout the course of the day, just the general lay of the land? Well, we do have to tell you there are a lot of people there, so don't be overwhelmed by the amount of caregivers you see. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. (laughs) Yeah, these aren't small events. No, these are very, very large summits. And and that's great because uh, caregivers often feel very isolated. And so they can learn that they're not in this alone. You walk in there thinking you're alone and you're alone with 250 people who are going through the same thing. Very true. Or very similar things. Very true. 
Uh, so when you get there, you will, of course, probably already register online. Um, we do frequently sell out at these Strongly encouraged. Yes, yes. Strongly <laughs> encouraged to go ahead and register online, and we'll give you that information in a moment. And when you check in, um, you will, during the day, have four educational sessions to go to. So there's two in the morning and two in the afternoon. Um, so you have a wide choice of sessions to attend. In between that, there is a nice seated lunch and uh, entertainment that we provide. There's a lot of relaxation, a lot of wellness opportunities, um, and there is definitely something for everyone at this conference. So Lisa, let's say that you, I, I could take two classes in the morning and two classes in the afternoon, and I ended up missing some classes. Does, could I then register the next week for the for the Durham one and take the classes I missed the next week? You absolutely could do that, yes. And we have people who come to more than one of these every year. I ask the, that question knowing the answer, but, but we see some of the same people coming back for additional education and additional training. We do. We have people that come back because they want to go to more classes and get more information. We have some people that come to one and then want to volunteer the next time. And just because we're talking about Two of these in June, there are actually four all together. So there's more opportunities for more sessions, more education, and more vo volunteer opportunities. Right. We end up doing another one in August and another one in October. Uh, but the, the two in June are the ones that are rapidly approaching, and those two almost always sell out. Yes, they do. So one of the things that folks listening might say, well, this all sounds great, but how, how much is this going to cost? And, and, you know, we try to make this as reasonably priced as possible. Uh, to attend this uh, these summits, it costs $15 for the entire day. And that actually includes the sit-down lunch, the entertainment, all of the sessions, which we're going to get into more after the break. Um, but really, the only way that we can make this possible um, is through the generous support of our sponsors and our exhibitors. So our presenting sponsor this year is actually Carolina Meadows, and they are a very large continuing care retirement community uh, up in Chapel Hill. And they have been supporting this event actually for the last three years. And they give us a very generous gift to help us keep the price down. We also have session sponsors that include HomeWatch Caregivers, Right at Home, and the UNC School of Medicine. So that that's a, tr a great gift in the community. And then over 50 or more uh, exhibitors as well really help to subsidize the cost so that we can make this as affordable as possible for you listening to attend. Very good. And, you know, caregiving is a full-time job. So you guys also offer a few accommodations if, uh, you know, if I I'm caring for a loved one. And as I said, that's that's kind of a full-time thing. You make accommodations if I need to bring someone with me. We share – well, so you can't bring the person with you. That's not ideal. But we do have some arrangements with some area adult daycare programs, um, when folks can find out more on the website, to prearrange respite. So they can go to an adult daycare program for the day. Again, don't just drop them off that day. You need to call in advance. But we try to make it as accessible as possible for folks to be able to attend because we know it's a lot to take a whole day out, and we want to be able to provide the ability for you to do so and know that your loved one's being cared for by a quality organization. Absolutely. Caregiversummit.org is the website. That's caregiversummit.org. Two S's in there, one at the end of caregivers, one at the beginning of Summit. We'll continue this conversation in just a bit with Lisa Levine here on Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find more about them online, transitionslifecare.org. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. 
You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. Jason Kong right here. Nicole Bruno with Transitions Guiding Lights right there. Cooper Linton with Transitions Life Care also here as well. And our special guest, Lisa Levine, uh, is here when we're talking about the Caregiver Summit. You can find more information about that. Caregiver Summit. Dot org. Uh, I, did I say Levine? I meant Levine. Yes. <laughs> I uh, I have trouble with names, Lisa. That's okay, I everyone does it. <laughs> uh, our earlier guest, Henry Davis, did me a, a big favor. He has the easiest name, Easy. I think, in the history of the program. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, thank you to him, and uh, thank you to you for being here. But uh, as I mentioned before, the Caregiver Summit is not the two of you on a roof blowing into a conch shell. This is uh, a bit more uh, refined than that. Although Summit has – I know you, this is – technically a conference but summit i have the picture of you know like the lord of the rings gathering you know the yes, the, there's, the, the important people all gathering together yeah one ring to rule them all no it just doesn't work <laughs> it just doesn't work and and our caregivers are very diverse they have this incredible array of needs and you know we always talk about patient acuity but there really should be a scale somewhere for caregiver acuity cuz what caregivers go through evolve so much over the t- over the time that they're caring for a loved one and their needs change. And actually, on the on the way to this show this evening, I was on the phone with someone who was looking for support services in their community, and it made me think about how much the exhibitors matter in this. And the caregivers who come to this show talk about how how meaningful it is to them to walk into a room. And there are 50 or 60 organizations whose entire existence is around supporting caregivers on that journey. And they can go, in in a course of just a few minutes, talk to various or groups and various companies that offer the services that they were asking about. And I think that's really important. And we've had folks actually skipped educational sessions because they realized this is the company that can help me fix a bathroom to make it accessible or get a ramp into the house or provide in-home services. And, and those, the exhibitors are just a, a critical piece of the resources that people can obtain by coming to the summit. And I think that's one of the things that make people's eyes just get so wide open at the actual summit is that a lot of times, you know, we are so resource rich in this area, but unless you've ever needed to access it, you really don't even know it's there. And so then once you enter that world, it becomes extremely overwhelming. So we take a lot of time and care to make sure that we have exhibitors that really uh, represent the full breadth of services that are available to us in this community. And and each is a little different. So if you attend Raleigh, you will see more exhibitors that service there, that area than versus Durham. So that is definitely something that may be a little bit different depending on which event you attend, but definitely something that the caregivers find very, very valuable when we uh, look at our evaluations every year. Speaking of things that are very valuable, though, Lisa, you know, we spend a lot of time in planning this event on what courses, what sessions to offer the actual uh, caregivers. And we try to follow uh, every year uh, sort of three different tracks, so to speak. You know, things that are sort of the nuts and bolts about how to care for somebody then also how to care for yourself, and then also some very specific um, disease-focused sessions that really help a family who may be facing issues such as chronic pain or Alzheimer's or dementia, heart disease, that sort of thing. Could you highlight for us maybe some of the sessions that will be available this year in Raleigh and Durham? Sure, I would love to. We actually have some very different sessions this year, and 
Um, you mentioned the evaluations earlier, and we take a lot of time uh, reading all the evaluations to see what caregivers want the next year. So we really do plan straight from those. We've got a big variety this year. We have a session on Medicare benefits straight from the North Carolina Senior Medicare Patrol. Um, so, you know, that changes every year, and it's important for folks to stay up to date on that. We also have information on medication safety this year, which is always important. You know, every time we, we uh, get together, we talk about how many more medications people are taking, and it's hard to, um, it's hard to keep them all straight. So we're going to have a, an actual pharmacist come in and talk with people about that. And not even keep them straight, but also realizing how interactions may or right. medications may interact with each other. Mm -hmm. And folks Definitely. don't necessarily think about that. And we have different providers d prescribing different medications. It's great to have them all there. So people could even bring a list of their medications with them to the summit if they want and talk about that with the pharmacist. We also have a session this year on creating your care team that's going to, we were talking about resources, that's going to investigate uh, resources a little bit further and talking about the people that are on your care team and who they might be. While we all think of the doctor and the nurse, there's a lot of other people that are involved in that, including your pharmacist, maybe your therapists and other folks. So that's going to be an important session as well. Then we have some different things this year. We're going to have a session on driving. We know it's very difficult to have the conversation with your senior adult loved one who maybe shouldn't be driving anymore. And we're going to talk to some people from the Duke Driving Program that do those kinds of assessments. We're going to have a session on pain management for anyone dealing with any kind of illness. And we have another session on um, Project Lifesaver, um, which is a program through the sheriff's office um, that helps people with autism, Alzheimer's, Down syndrome, and other cognitive issues. Um, and they're also going to discuss this time uh, tips straight from the sheriff on how to interact with law enforcement and first responders. So I'm kind of interested in that session myself. And I think it's important to note, too, that the law enforcement in this area really take a lot of care to receive education and specifically from your group, I believe, on how to interact with individuals with Alzheimer's disease. That's true. We have uh, crisis intervention teams built into law enforcement across the state of North Carolina. And we have our nurse consultant, Melanie Bunn, who does training with them. Um, they do a lot of training on a lot of developmental disabilities, also on Alzheimer's um, and a lot of other issues. So these um, these people are very specially trained, and you're going to hear from a few of them right at the summit. That's a real difference between strange behavior and unusual behavior versus dangerous behavior. Very true. And, and, and having that correctly assessed and responded to is critical. We're, it's great to be in a community with these resources. Another uh, new thing this year, uh, we know that caregivers really don't take the time to take care of themselves. And I mean, I've been a caregiver twice myself. I know Cooper has been a caregiver. Uh, Lisa as well. has as well. So we all know that, you know, you, your first priority becomes that individual you're caring for and you're not, quote, taking your oxygen first as if the plane was crashing. You are literally just 
watching and helping that person. So we have made available this year in cooperation with, in partnership with Baptist on Mission, some health screenings. So you're actually going to have the opportunity to have your health screened at no charge and actually have some testing done to see how you're physically doing. And if anything flags up as something that you should be concerned with, you you know they'll certainly refer you on to your primary care physician. But literally, you, you'll be able to have your cholesterol checked. You'll be able to be checked for diabetes, your blood pressure will be checked, um, height and weight, which maybe you don't want to step on a scale, maybe you don't mind, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then even a, um, a heart attack assessment and a depression screening, because we know that being a caregiver, it, it, it's just a very difficult job. And um, we want to make sure that you're taking care of yourself so you can continue to take care, care of your loved one. It's very true. And I'm very excited to be able to have that this year. We um have an educational session on journal writing, which is another self-care topic. And then we have some other things like, um, Nicole, do you want to talk about our massage therapy maybe? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a great... um that's something we've been doing year after year, and we have a wonderful volunteer, Trisha, Trisha uh, McPherson with Re- Relief Massage and Body Work, has been coordinating all these massage therapists for us for years to provide massages for caregivers at the event. And I can tell you what, get there early and sign up early for yes. the massages yes. because <laughs> they fill up fast. But I mean, that is that is a real, a real gift. And people, you can just see a thousand pounds of weight come off their shoulders after they walk away from that massage. It's a wonderful thing. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about that virtual dementia tour. Well, we are offering virtual dementia this year. Again, we've had it in the past. And it's a dementia simulation where you actually put on goggles, gloves, put things in your shoes, um, and put on headphones. And you get to experience something similar to what people living with dementia go through. It takes about 15 minutes. So you also will need to sign up for that early. It will be offered during session times. And it really gives you um, an eye into the perspective of the person living with dementia. So if you are interested in this, and we encourage you strongly to sign up, sign up early. Do not wait because the spots do fill up. It is at www.caregiversplural.summit.org. Caregiversummit.org. We really encourage you to visit the website. Find out more of it online and sign up. Yes, you can uh, sign up there. And if you need an easier link to that, you can just go to WPTF.com and go to the Aging Matters page where you can re-listen to this episode or share it with a friend. Big thank you to Lisa Levine for coming on the program. Henry Davis as well, General Manager of the Cremation Society of the Carolinas. We will be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to Aging Matters, the care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find more information about Transitions Life Care at transitionslifecare.org. We'll see you next week. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF.